The following audio is from Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee, where our mission is to follow Christ and His mission of loving people, places, and things to life. For more information about Christ Presbyterian Church, please visit ChristPres.org. And now I'm going to read our scripture for us. This is Isaiah's commission from the Lord from Isaiah chapter 6, 8 through 13. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go and say to this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Then I said, how long, O Lord? And he said, until cities lie waste without inhabitant and houses without people and the land is a desolate waste. And the Lord removes people far away. And the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again. Like a terebinth or an oak, whose stump remains when it is felled, the holy seed is its stump. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Mary Claire. It's one of the things, one of the questions I'm asked often is, um, and we don't think about, is how is serving happening while uh, we're in the middle of all this flux and change and um, God is at work um, in that. One of the sweetest parts is to hear things like missional partnerships, just as a quick definition again, is is where we are able to like provide monies to typically things to help support in that way. And city groups are where we provide a lot more of our like actual hands and feet in it. Now they cross over at some points, but one of the beautiful things is that through all of this pandemic, none of that has slowed down. And uh, the giving that you all give um, has been even more generous than even before uh, isn't just to keep the lights on in here. It's actually to support those who are hurting. Uh, Man, we had a tornado, a massive tornado happened before the pandemic, and they're still cleaning up in East Nashville. Things like that that are going on. Preston Taylor Ministries. Uh, People are still having to go to school in places that they can't meet uh, and needing help. So, so thankful for what God is doing. Thank you. Um, thank you for all of that. So grateful. Well, with um, all of the uh, early Christmas um, happenings and tis the season, uh, we've started watching Christmas movies early, not just to mention listening to the music, but uh, watching them early. And uh, some of those good ones like The Grinch and, you know, the, the, even the old Grinch, not just the new one, which is great, uh, but the old one, which lasted like 20 minutes and really creeped me out as a kid. Uh, but then you have the ones that are like the longer ones that they play, like Christmas Vacation or A Christmas Story, one of my faves, Christmas Story. And I don't know if there, there was, a, it used to be a station that would play it 24 hours. Uh, they would just play it all, I think on Christmas Day, would just play it over and over and over. And so I don't know if you remember that movie or if you've seen it, I highly recommend it, great movie, uh, one of the best, about an elementary boy, school boy in, uh, mid, in the Midwest 
Uh, it's set back in his childhood, and you can hear him narrating it. Uh, it's, it's amazing. And he, he's at a, you know, with his buddies, you know, um, and they're going through kind of the town as they're kind of having a Christmas parade. And they all get into the window of the, the uh, toy store, and they're all looking, and, you know, every one of the boys has their certain thing they're picking out. And Ralphie, the main character, his eyes land on the thing that he wants the most, the Red Rider BB gun. And that's what he gets. And so the whole movie, essentially, and it begins this way, is with Ralphie really trying to get this Red Rider BB gun. He goes to his parents first, and they say, you'll shoot your eye out. No, there's no way you're going to get that. And soon you start to see this pattern in the movie that everywhere he goes, he says, oh, I know who I'll go to. I'll go to Santa. He goes to Santa. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. You know, same pattern over and over. And everywhere he goes, for the sake of this one thing that he really wants, every time he, he, he brings it up, even his teacher, he writes a paper. He thinks, oh, this will be great. You know, Christmas paper, I'll write this. He gets it back, he opens it up, he doesn't get a good grade, and all he sees at the top is, no way, you'll shoot your eye out. Everywhere he turns. And what's amazing, even with the end, I don't wanna spoil it for you, but even with the end, if you haven't seen it, um, if you haven't, I'm, I'd love to talk to you because it's been out forever. But, <laughs> but, um, but he's even met with some of the realities of what has been told him. He still, even afterwards, at the very end of the movie, still has this almost just laser focus. And one could look at that movie and watch it and think like, he's just a determined child, right? But if you really think about it, Ralphie is so hardened, so unwilling to hear anyone's reasoning, which really is true in spite of what kids don't wanna hear, really true, he doesn't wanna hear it at all, even up to the end of the movie. I don't wanna hear it. You know, even now as we're driving through, uh, you know, I, I was listening on the radio and, you know, you're walking through, I was walking through the mall the other day trying to grab something quickly in and out, of course, uh, face covering on and all that. And the music is playing all around us. The music we just heard, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, right? Things we worship in church and yet it's being played on radios and in malls and all over the place. The, the songs and the language that we maybe identify, some of us here and maybe you at home, identify with as being true. Like we're not just singing a song, we're singing a reality in history and yet how can it be played in nearly every radio, every mall around the entire country, maybe the world, and yet people walk by it? And think, oh, that's, oh, this is that time of year where those songs kind of come up. And it's not a reality for them. If you just read what was being spoken to you here from this passage, it's a passage where Isaiah, the man who was commissioned, he saw this amazing glory of the God and he was commissioned. Who's gonna go? Who's gonna take this message? And it's met with this. I don't get it. I don't hear it. It's met with blindness to it. It's met with complete dis disinterest. Uh, I, don't, I don't understand it. Uh, what's, what are you talking about, Isaiah? <laughs> and isn't this like, this isn't like a, a, a maybe, maybe you've seen this before, like a street preacher or something like that where Isaiah's out there yelling and people are just walking by. He's, he's going to people personally. He is, yes, speaking openly, but he's speaking with people. And it's just met with this. I mean, 
what? How frustrating is that? He's, he's given the greatest message that we would think, and it's met with like, yeah, I'm just here to pick out my uh, things that I need to get and go for my family. A complete blindness, disinterest, distraction. You know, Isaiah, we, we, as I said, we started our Advent series early, and we're doing it from Isaiah. And one of the reasons we're doing that is because Isaiah is the greatest preview for the coming attraction of what Advent really is. One of the greatest previews is this Old Testament book that is put together, one of the longest, largest Old Testament books that gives the greatest preview for that attraction of Advent. And the difference in Advent and what it is isn't just a word. It's not just a song on the radio. What those songs, what all of it's pointing to is the reality that Advent is something done. It actually means an arrival. It doesn't mean something said or something sung or maybe told. It's an arrival. It's the coming of. And Isaiah isn't proclaiming just anything. He's saying, God is coming. And yet it's met with this staleness. What are the things that soften a stale heart? So we're gonna look at a couple things. We're gonna look at two things that that really are the theme. You probably hear them all the time in Christmas messages or stories or throughout even in the malls or on the songs. Glory and hope, two words that really bring that up and that are really embedded within this passage that soften, that show us how do, we, how do we move or how do we recognize that this Advent is an arrival and it's not just something else that comes once a year. Glory and hope. It's glory that endures. <clears throat> you know, picking back up from last week, almost like a TV show, <laughs> previously seen in Isaiah, right before this, Literally, Isaiah has this unbelievable encounter with God himself. Amazing. Thrilling. He, he sees God in a vision where God's train, he's, he's actually in the temple on a throne, and his train of his robe fills it. There's smoke. The temple is shaking. Uh, super creatures called seraphim are flying around singing holy, holy, holy to God himself. And he is wrapped up in this vision. At first, he says, woe is me. I can't believe I'm in the presence of greatness. And then God comes to him, atones for his sin, says, you're with me. And then we meet the same verse and it says, who am I gonna send? Verse eight, whom shall I send? Who will go for us, God says. And he says, here am I, send me. And then comes the job description. (laughs) Not the most fun one. Who will go? Who will come? Doesn't this seem counterintuitive? He has this unbelievable picture of who God really is. And then he's supposed to go tell everybody about it. And then God says, nah, no one's gonna listen. Uh, sign me up? <laughs> is that the job that he would want? What a fascinating thing. Why do it? Why? I mean, let's just start at the very beginning. If you're, if you're Isaiah, you're... You might be thinking, if if I was Isaiah, I'd be going, uh, then why do it? I didn't hear what you were wanting me to do before you told me, God. Well, why do I need to do this? He does it because of glory. Now, glory in our word, in our sense, is oftentimes being noticed or being held up or something like that. Well, some uh, theologians uh, have said in the past that some say uh, it means being well noticed or being well known, right? Right? 
glory is one of those things where you, you, can, you can be uh, understood. It's like a harmonizing of life that comes together. Springsteen said it best, right? Glory days. Love that song. Probably because it speaks to me a lot. But he, what does he say? Trying to recapture a little of the glory of. Right? Glory isn't just something we want to be well known for. It's something we want to, it, it just seems fleeting. It's something we, we hope, we all long for it. We all aspire to it. It's something we taste when we do something well, uh, when we, whether it be in the past or even present. Maybe something's going really well vocationally for you. It's something you, you want to recapture. You feel that sense of everything kind of coming together and you are at the center of it and it is just perfect. It could be, you know, something you glory, try to recapture. It could be old glory days of sports or something else. It could be something now of that job you're hoping to get. It could be you're just riding the wave, even in the midst of this pandemic, of, of things going so well for you. It could be a glory. But the thing we really long for, as Springsteen says beautifully, the great theologian, trying to recapture it, it's what we want to hold it. It's not just the glory of it's the holding of it. It's the keeping it. It's what makes it keep it. It's that there's a longing for it, and it's yet fleeting. And here's what's fascinating about Isaiah. Isaiah says, here I am, send me. Now, he doesn't just say it when you read that in here, and it has exclamation points. He is legitimately screaming. There's, there's a Hebrew in that where it's saying there's almost a lifting out. Here I am, send me. And all this before he gets the job description at all. And yet he's still for it. I mean, that, that's amazing. He's, it, it switches it. See, it says there's something else here for the glory that's a different kind of glory than what he wants. See, glory in Hebrew actually means weight. It means, hold, it means something that holds something down. Something that's heavy. My son, who's five now, um, uh, when he was younger, um, he really, when we would be, you know, something valuable, and we'd be outside, and the wind would blow, it would start to move. It'd be it something he colored, be it a balloon, uh, something like that, that that would move, and he was always going, whoa, whoa, and he would take it, and he'd run it back inside. Or he'd try to find something and he'd hold it and he'd carry it to us and say, it's gone, it's gonna go, it's gonna go. And every time we'd figure out a way we could tie it to a chair, would be a balloon or, or have some sort of weight to hold down the, the papers or something would say, and we'd say, it's okay, it's okay, we can always just go get it. The wind may blow it away, we can always just go get it. But isn't that, a, man, what a perfect picture of how we all really feel how we actually think of glory. Glory isn't maybe what the Bible's trying to express to us. It's more of like, oh, if I don't hold on to it, if I don't tie it down, and if I don't put it in the right place, it's, it is going to blow away. But there's a glory here that touches Isaiah that's so deep. It's deeper than that. It reminds him, it says, no, 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 it is okay because this glory won't leave. There's a glory not just in the success of how you preach or what you do or how many people listen. There's a glory in the fact that there's something more sure, something that won't change in hearers or people that see or get it. You know, that's why glory, think about this. Why is glory, even the word itself used in so many Christmas songs or used in so many of the narrative accounts of Jesus' birth? Glory to God in the highest. 
And goodwill to those whom God is pleased. Why, why are those things we sing? Why do we sing songs? Even the song we sang before wasn't a Christmas song. I loved it. Um, and, and this is how God works. Parker and I have, had picked some songs together and other songs. He just, uh, he really just, he runs with it. And, and how God just put that song in his heart. And we just sang the glory to God, right? Over and over and over. Why is that? There's a glory that stays. Because Advent is about something that comes in the midst of everything blowing around that God arrives, that he comes. And that God is trying to teach Isaiah, you're gonna go into something hard. <laughs> because don't you read that? What, in, it's not, what endures? Notice his how long. I love his question here in verse 11. So right after he says, no one's gonna listen, no one's gonna understand, it's gonna be the best job of your life. You're meant to speak and no one hears a thing. Sounds awful. <laughs> Think about your vocation right now, like the crux, the, 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 the focus of it, that everything goes towards a certain product or a certain thing, and that yet it's always met with complete disappointment. No one listens, no one buys it, no one does it, no one comes to your school, no one goes to the, can you imagine? Then notice his question, verse 11, then I said, how long? Great question, I said. So how long am I supposed to be doing this? How long is this gig, God? That's literally what he's asking. How long is this gonna last? And God says, as you would think, isn't it in success? You would hope that God, right after he says how long, until they hear my voice. Or until, you know, he moves into even more sad devastation. <laughs> but the question is a good one, how long? Isaiah can't see it. See, because the, the glory of what Isaiah is coming from, it can't be about the success. It can't be about how many people are packed in, the, in a room, how many people are watching online. It can't be about the success of, of that. It can't, that can't be what holds it. I mean, especially for somebody who, like Isaiah, who's preaching, especially for someone like me. I mean, I have so many friends of mine who are so discouraged right now. And I've hit it too in our, my particular vocation because we think, oh gosh, what's shut down? Who's coming? What's, who's listening? Where is that? I'm sure you felt the same. Is glory in the success? Is it in the involvement? I mean, how easy would it be for Isaiah to run on even the gas of just the experience he had? He had this unbelievable ecstatic experience. So many of us want Christianity to be riding that wave of, I just feel close to God and nothing can touch me. But how long does that gas in the tank last? I mean, how many of us have felt necessary close to God? Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. But is that the success of the ministry of, of, of Isaiah, of who hears? Is that the glory? Or is it signs and wonders? Look, again, I've been watching um, movies, <laughs> TV shows. My, one of my other faves all time, Charlie Brown Christmas. Don't you've seen it? Please see it. Please watch it again. It, it, it really is like one of those things that's so funny to me because when I rewatch it, I go, oh yeah. And one of the greatest things about it is, and especially for our current time, is Charlie Brown is incredibly depressed. I mean, he's just this depressed individual. And he's like a kid, right? And everybody that talks to me, and, and he goes, yeah, 
I know it's Christmas, but I'm just depressed. And that's like what he says all the time. You're like, what's going on here? And everybody goes, even you, of course you, Charlie Brown, would be depressed at Christmas. And everywhere he turns, he, he gets a different answer. Well, he talks to Lucy, <clears throat> who often has her uh, little psychological booth, which is so funny. And as he's talking to her about what would make him feel better, her, her answer to him is, you know what? You need involvement. That's what you need, Charlie Brown. If you just get involved, you, that you, you won't feel depressed. And so he gets involved. And guess what? She gets him involved. You're gonna be director of the Christmas play. Of the very play that, that, that lines out the coming of Jesus. And here he is as the director. And everything is going wrong. He's picking shepherds. He's trying to put people in place. Everybody, nobody's listening. Nobody cares. They just want to dance and play. And he's like trying to be very serious and involved. And he just feels more and more depressed. And all the while, what is around him? The message itself, the play. And it's not until he screams out on stage like this one in the middle of the whole thing. Does anybody know what Christmas is about? And his best friend Linus, who's often seen as the youngest one, but isn't it the tale of the youngest as the wisest, goes to the middle of the stage, everyone stops. And the light comes down. And he recites from Luke, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And it's silent. And everybody's listening. And it isn't until the message, the actual message is proclaimed, not just doing involvement, but is actually spoken out that Charlie Brown's face changes and he races out of the building with a whole new discovery of, it's not just about me doing something. There's about a message that's bigger than me. There's about something that doesn't move. It's not commercialized. It's not something that blows in the wind. There's a glory that stays and that it is in him. You know what's interesting? This glory was even talked about later in John. John chapter 12. <clears throat> John chapter 12, when Jesus is being affronted by all those who are following him and these kind of things, John chapter 12, verse 37, people are following Jesus. Listen to this. And when Jesus had done and said these things, he departed and said to himself, had hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe him. So that the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah, these very words, Lord, they who have believed, like these very words, make the heart of people dull. And then in verse 41 it says, Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Whose glory did he see? How in the world did Isaiah see his glory? Who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about the real advent. He's talking about that's Christmas. See, Isaiah didn't just see glory of what was gonna be of his ministry. He saw Jesus, the one, not just what Jesus gives to him, not the signs and wonders, not the things that surround him, not the radiance of his glory, but the glory itself in Christ. And that's what gave him hope. That's what changed him to even look and say, how long, O Lord? And then he's met with what? Not till the cities are devastated and laid waste. Now, isn't there anything in life 
<laughs> that would make us say how long. When, when the words how long meet our hope, isn't that when hope starts to crumble? I mean, it, it, over and over. Let's just be honest. You just heard the announcement. We're going to have to change things again in here and go online. And What do we do with that? Things change. And with that, when that how long, and when, I've said it, I'm saying it, you're saying it, how long are we going to have to do this? Oh yeah, there's talk of vaccines, but how, long, how much longer? How long, oh Lord, is met? It erodes hope, like just not even just sometimes a dripping faucet, just dripping water erodes a rock, but maybe even like a stream, it just comes and tears it apart. And here's what's interesting. He says, how long, O Lord, until cities lie waste without inhabitant? I mean, oh, it's gonna get even worse, he says. (laughs) But the theme of hope, like a twin rail on things, it's the glory, but it's also the hope of Christmas, right? Glory runs here of what's steady, what holds. But how do we have hope in what lies ahead? It's because of what's steady. Hope is all through the advent, right? That is what Advent is. It actually means we're hoping for something to come. In fact, I love that C.S. Lewis puts it this way. He says it's a continual looking forward. He says we must learn to want something else more. In fact, what Lewis does that is so brilliant, he goes to the core of what hope is and what it is is our longings. It's our longings. It's examining what we really long for. And most of us really are hoping that our longings can be fulfilled here and this is why we miss it. This is why we miss the advent, the arrival. This is why we can miss it. That we look to the the other things to do that but they're only tastes. They're only saying what we need to learn is really put a finger on the pulse of what we really long for. See, advent teaches us to, to make sense of our longings. That we have deep needs of longing to be close to pursue and not just happiness but to pursue deep connection and relationship something that doesn't blow away something that holds firm I was just talking to somebody yesterday and we were talking about oh yeah we're having a change and everything and Davidson County is changing and yada yada and we are talking about what we miss and one of the things that they said they missed is concerts just talking about simple things we miss you know and I do think it's interesting the things that I long for now that I'd never longed for before a pandemic. I long for a cup of coffee in the morning, the day before. Like never even thought about that. That little bitty thing. And if it goes, and here's the funny thing about it. When I wake up and I make that coffee and it smells so good, there are moments after I've made it that I'll, some days I'm like, this tastes unbelievable. I'll take it. Day's done, that's great, let's go. (laughs) Very George Costanza of me, that's it, you know. But then there are other moments where I pour in too much of this or not enough of that, creamer, whatever it may be, and I go, this just didn't taste right. Even down those little things, what am I really trying to hit? What am I really, I'm hoping that that longing, that glory, something about that stays. And what do we need to do? Advent is to say, you and I need to know what that longing is. That all those little things that we're feeling are about a reality. All the things that we miss because we close our ears, because we're trying to fill 
an ultimate longing with things that we can't. That's why we miss it when we hear a song on the radio or in the mall. Because the advent isn't, the advent, the arrival, the Christmas like story itself isn't something that happened that helps us feel cozy or connected to things that we, we can have enjoyment in now. It's to help us understand that even those philosophers and theologians say, we can't even enjoy the things that we like a cup of coffee now if we don't understand our true longing in him. What helps me love that cup of coffee is because I can't put my full longing in it. It has to be met with someone who met me. And here's what he says. Here's, you wanna hear the hope? Here's the hope that God tells Isaiah. And though, verse 13, a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains. And when it is filled, the holy seed is its stump. There's your hope, a stump. Now, I don't know about you, in my backyard, I had two pine trees. One just had to be cut down because it was dying, and then I have the other one. And when I look out there and I look at them, I am not looking at that stump very much. Because right next to it is the picture of a beautifully, like, full-grown pine tree that needs no work. And I look at that stump, and all it shows me is like, ugh. There's that tree we had to cut down. I wish we could get a stump grinder and grind it out. You know, like you kind of want to not see it. But what God is trying to do here is he says a stump, a holy seed. Why a stump? Because the the truth of Christmas is that it doesn't work the way we want it to work. How long does it take a tree to grow back? Years. Some of the hardest things. Why does he use a holy seed? Because it's in the most frustrating waiting period, right? Hope is what we don't see. Isn't that what happens? All the grass right now turns brown. Things go dormant during the winter. But it doesn't mean there's not growth happening. It doesn't mean there's not work. There's a holy seed. There's something there. And sometimes when we look at that seed, that that seedling coming up from that stump, that we look next to it and we see this huge pine tree and we think, golly, it looks vulnerable. It looks weak. Looks like he couldn't work. But isn't that the point? You see, we come to a table that expresses that very truth. If there's anything true about Christmas, it is weak and vulnerable. If there's anything true about the Advent, it is that very thing. And it was the thing that would be for prophets one of the most difficult things because they would never see what we get to. It even says in 1 Peter this, that this is the plight of the prophet Isaiah. It says, concerning this salvation, 1 Peter 1.10, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you. And the things that have been now announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things in which even angels long to look. 
The truth is, Isaiah was preaching this because who is the remnant? Who is the seed? It would be coming through Mary in a stall. Someone no one would expect in a place no one would expect through years of time to get all that process all the way to where? Us. How in the world does a message that is that small and that vulnerable and that weak come? It comes through the one who had to become like form of hope, right? Because in order to become our hope, Jesus had to take up our hopelessness. In order to give us glory, he had to be the vulnerable seed. And we are the witnesses of that, that that holy seed is a reality. Not just something we hear. Not just something missed, but in him. That's what this table is pointing to. This table is the reality of a clear message that God sent his son to be made flesh and the glory has never faded. This table isn't dependent on you or I to eat it in order for it to be glorious. It is his. And yet this table is a clear message of weakness and vulnerability because it is full of body and blood. And yet it is through this weakness, through this small growth that you and I have life, that that tree of greatness is gone so that you and I can have hope and glory this Christmas. We can trust, we can sing, we can rejoice and grieve all at once because this is the reality that we have. Let's stand together as we do and encourage you to.